Hello and welcome to Como Estas. We're back here on Christmas Day. You are probably having better things to do or watching Extra Lucha, so you may be listening to a few days later. So we thought as a special gift to you, we were going to do a live um, commentary on the Black Magic vs. Vampiro match that just got posted the other day. Just, you know, 30 minutes talking about the technical excellence that we can see in a Vampiro match. Are you excited for this, Rob? No, and you just sprung this on me. This is like the worst Christmas present ever. Okay, how about instead of doing that, since you don't seem high, high on that, let's do a long breakdown of the Akuma and Kimura versus Hio Del Signo and Yago match coming up. You know, strengths and weaknesses, your favorite memories of all four guys. You know that we have a very small fan base of the most hardcore Lucha fans, and even they have no idea what you just referred to. Yeah, and no one does. No one, no one cares this match is happening except the people who are friends of Kimura who are getting him a payday, and they must be very nice people. No one's ever got me a post to match that I didn't deserve, like these the four guys you're getting. Um, See now, now we have to figure out: is this a favor for that for what you just said, or is this another favor called in by Signal's friends since this is his second straight year main eventing the New Year's show? It can be so many people's favors at the same time. Maybe Akuma's getting a, a a nice payoff too. Maybe someone actually thinks Yago is halfway decent. Although Yago strikes me as much good as he is, and he's better than some of the other open guys as the guy who also was probably in the CML gym for like six years waiting for a chance. And then someone just got bored one day and decided to give him a chance. The interesting thing is if you look back at the the first Arena Mexico show last year, the, the New Year's show, the opener is the one that, sorry, the second Arena Mexico show, the, the best of show on January 4th. Remember they had the opener with like the six best young prospects. And from that match, everybody basically got their turn to do something, right? Like Audaz got the new gimmick that day. Templario got elevated. Coyote got put in the team with Graco. All these guys got everything, got something except Iago. And it's kind of like they just realized at the end of the year, oh, we forgot to do something for this guy. And so this is his thing. Perhaps. Perhaps they it's, just needed the body. Maybe they like him for um, for actually trying with his entrances more than most people. Yeah, this flyer and Mazia Blanca were the other two people, and they both won tournaments early on in the year. Right. So... So it's kind of like they just put Yago, and this is his chi- this is his chance. Three hundred sixty days later, or some odd number, for him to finally do something like the other guys. And I was thinking, if they did that same type of match coming up, who would actually be in the match? And I couldn't really come up with six more names because they haven't really. There's been nobody who's shown up in opening matches like the other guys did late in 2017. Whereas yeah. here in 2018, like there's no new name that have popped. I mean, Sonic, I guess, and that's about it. And Sonic is less a new name than more a guy who was out for so long that people felt probably think he's a new name. Right. Or yeah, I guess I mean they've got Viano three the other Viano three junior in the semi main event in his debut. Yeah. And yeah, and I guess that's the more interesting thing than that main event is to see if the other Viano three kid is going to be any good and where they're going to end up sticking him long term if he if he's going to start in the middle of the card like um, the, Pan- the Panther kids and the Dinamite. Do you need to start in the openers, but they moved up real quick? Or if, um, he's going to have to work his way up like a Coyote or a Graco? I do not see him. If they're starting him in the semi main event, he's starting. He's going to start at the Universo Dos Mil Junior level, where he's going to be a second and third match guy. I think that there's been a 
a shift in the way CML does things where you used to always come in and do the openers, no matter who you were, and work your way up. Like even Audaz was doing the openers, like I just mentioned, in late 2016. But now they know that those openers are death, and they're, they just rather stick the guys in there who have zero chance to do anything. And the guys who actually have some sort of potential or family connections like Universo, they just bump them up. Like even Quatrero, Santa, and Forastero, they never spent a day in those openers. Right. Oh. Uh, who do you think is going to have a better 2009? The CML Volano 3 kid or the AAA Volano 3 kid? Well, it'll at least answer one question for us about who has the better training system because the AAA Viano is really good. Yes. And we'll see what the the CML guy has been there for at least minimum two or three years because I definitely remember him in old bodybuilding competitions as part of the training trainer section, the trainees. I think they were both in at the same time they were on the Legends of Mortales short-lived TV series with the old guys who could not move at all and random people showing up. They were some of the random people showing up. And I think they said they were both in CML at that point. So, um, yeah, I think. So we'll, we'll see, but I mean, I expect him to do well. Otherwise they wouldn't be putting him in the semi-main event. I'm sure that they'll cover for him well, but the real test will of course be when he gets back to the regular CML matches to see how he fits in with guys who may not be so good if he's going to be in the second and third matches. Yeah, but his advantage is that if he's going to be a Rudo, there's a lot more room for a young Rudo to move up than there is with a young Technico. Yeah, CMO's definitely lacking young Rudos, especially in the mid-card position. We saw how quickly Temporario moved up, and I think it's because people, particular people were high on him, but I think there's also mm-hmm. a space for him to do well. Where um, there's, It's tougher to do that, as we've seen with Audaz on the other side. Still waiting to see how the Templario thing plays out in 2019 because he's part of the Guerreros. The problem is now there are four Guerreros, and CML doesn't really do four-on-four matches except for the odd special occasion. No, but I figured how this is going to work is because Soberano's getting moved up, and so they can't do Euphoria in those matches anymore. So I think he's going to be the odd guy out in a lot of, in a lot of places, or... They're going to. That's how they're going to alternate people in. Is that you'll always get the two Guerreros, but you four and Tepalier will switch around depending on when Silverano is booked. Yeah, that makes that's true, and that makes perfect sense. Could kind of be like the uh, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay, so we're not actually going to talk about the thing we talked about for about five minutes. My only idea, since you know we haven't done the podcast in about five years, is to talk about do a recap of what happened this year. Maybe not a recap, but looking back at what the bigger things were from this year, kind of like maybe my picture of five biggest themes of the year, and then maybe you can also throw in yours or shoot mine down, whichever makes more sense. Yeah, let's go for it. I'm happy to shoot your things down. Yeah. Okay, so I thought the biggest overall story of the year was probably the L.A. Park, Phoenix, and Penta working both in AAA and CML at the same time. It's something that would specifically has been prohibited since, I would guess, since the days of El Torio, where you had the top guys working in both promotions. Um, but even then, it seemed like they would not center the promotions as much as both AAA and CML were centering around L.A. Park. 
they were doing it because it was working because LA Park was a linchpin to making the Triple Mania match something different from what they had done the last few years. And LA Park had grown the Arena Mexico audience with the Rush feud so much that it made sense that you would want to keep running with him until they didn't. But I, I think that's something that we would not have thought possible a year ago. or We didn't really seem like it was possible while it was happening. And while while it was happening, CML was claiming it wasn't actually going to happen all that long, and it just kept on. And both sides seemed to make peace with each other. In the end, it only stopped happening because L.A. Park had his own personal following out with AAA, and that Phoenix and Penta are so busy elsewhere that they couldn't really come in as much as I think CML probably hoped they would. But there, there was never seemed like there was extreme pressure for them to work for one promotion or the other, or at least enough pressure for them to stop doing it. So I thought that was one, the biggest story of the year. Yeah, for sure. The independence back in Arena Mexico, I don't think anybody would have predicted it. And it all started uh, the night of the Grand Alternativa, right? When LA Park did his run-in after the match. Correct. And we all saw, we were all surprised by it. I think we all pretty much concluded that, you know, it would last a week or two and that it would fall apart as usual. But they've managed to have it survive the entire six months until the end of the year here. He's been away from Arena Mexico recently, but I think that's just scheduling issues and he'll be back next year. And I see no reason why anything like this, anything would end. The only time that it really came into question, I think, would have been... I'm trying to remember the exact date, but it was definitely like at one point Phoenix was listed in a main event, but was supposed to be somewhere else. And they ended up replacing him midweek. I think he got, he got a little heat for that, but nothing serious enough. Cause obviously he made up the date eventually to CMLL. That was, and then, the, that was the Omega Phoenix match that you worked inside. No, I think there was one time before that where it wasn't like, that was the second time. There was definitely one time before where, I'm thinking back in September or August where he was listed and he got pulled. It might have been the weekend of the Cancun shows when AAA was running there. Yeah, maybe. I'm... I'd have to go check the results, but I know that the, the, the NEW thing was definitely second because that was too recent. But the other time that something came up would have been, I guess, the anniversary show because we already knew Phoenix and Penta were going to be on that. And then we found out that Impact was running the same weekend. And everybody, and they also announced Phoenix and Penta. And Phoenix and Penta obviously ended up doing just the anniversary show and filmed their Impact stuff the night before, which shows that you know, CML, if if CML was ever going to end something, it would have been then because you have a foreign company coming in, providing straight up competition with their anniversary show, and they worked out an agreement so that Phoenix and Penta would do their stuff the day before and everything would go okay. And that's not really like CMLL. So it goes more to the changes that are going on behind the scenes in CMLL, where you definitely have some new people with new visions and their ideas are actually getting through. Because, you know, a year ago, a guy like Paco Alonso with 100% autonomy on everything, this would it would never have happened. He just would have said, don't bother showing up for the anniversary show and stuck two CMLL guys in their place. Right, it would have. It it shows an openness to work on things. I think the the look of the product and the the fuge and the and the programming itself hasn't changed that much. But the willingness to to allow different things and to um, not go not be as strict with guys 
as they did in past years. Like, L.A. Park went out of his way to do things that would have got him suspended under in previous years or has actually got him suspended in previous years. And while you could tell that the production did not like to shoot a lot of times when he would go in the crowd and brawl and that they definitely played off of those problems with the, with some of the finishes they did to like tease that he was going to suspend it and stuff or use it as an out to get out of the match. Um, they, they didn't kick him out. They really, they, they played like they were going to have problems as part of the storyline, but they never, they never, he never seemed to get in any trouble for his, his mic work or anything. And I think that's, that's a bigger change you can see in, in the way CML approaches things. Yeah, and it's not just in Arena Mexico either. It's also on the independency now. They're letting their talent work more with the independent guys, whether it be in the crash or just on independent shows in general, whereas that used to be an issue and guys would have to go to the office and clear dates or get they would actually get pulled off shows if someone like a La Parca was on it or someone like a Phoenix was on it. And that's why we're seeing a lot of these independent super shows like these generation XXI type shows. Why did I say that? Generation 21 shows where in Irapuato, where they just have loaded all-star rosters of CMLL and indie guys that you just wouldn't have seen a year before because CML would never have allowed it. It was only, I think it was only in 2018 or 2017 where they wouldn't even let, CML wouldn't even let their own guys be on a show for Brazadoro when he passed away. That's right. Because they were doing all the AAA guys on that show. Right. Or it was the other way around that they yeah. insisted the AAA guys get pulled off. Yeah, and it hasn't completely changed because, like, on the Corvo Benefit show, the Monster Clown and Dave the Clown appeared but didn't wrestle. And you kind of got the vibe that that there were people who did not want them there with the guys who work CML, even though there wasn't really as many direct CML people on that show. So Yeah, there's there's still somewhat of a divide between CML and AAA. Obviously, they don't want... I think the whole point of CML is they don't want the marketplace confusion because it would hurt whatever core audience they have left, even though it's mostly a tourist business now. But the the core fans that they have left, they don't want them to think that they have any sort of association with AAA. I don't think AAA cares. I think, I mean, obviously AAA has said in the past they would love to work with CML. Right. I, but that is the one big difference. I think sometimes when I read about this topic in Zerber, it gets played, it gets played like there's two big, there's a big crossover between the companies and it's really more a certain set of independent guys CML's letting CML is using and is not having a problem with AAA using them but it's not a if you are a someone contracted full time to either company you still can't really interact in any way like we were talking about the Volano threes before we started recording this podcast and even in the interviews building up. The CML Volano 3 kid coming in, he never is allowed to mention his brother in AAA. He never comes up. It's very weird, except if you know the politics and that you can't acknowledge the other company at all. So uh, there's still a wall there, but there are people allowed. There are people giving, giving passports to travel back and forth, but the people who live on each side of the wall aren't still aren't really interacting with each other. That's going to be an interesting thing down the road because – a lot of Mexican fans are still, you know, not as inside the business as us U.S. or the uh, counterparts in U.S. and Canada. So I could see a lot of people, if the AAA guy starts getting some TV time, possibly thinking that Viano's kid is working both promotions at the same time. Yeah. They they look slightly different, but if you're not really looking for it, I think that it's going to be a lot of people a little bit confused. And obviously, 
honestly, with AAA, with how they re-gimmick people, I kind of wonder if the AAA Blonde 3 is going to make it through the year as a AAA Blonde 3. We'll see. He's looked good in his past few appearances, so hopefully they give him a better chance in 2019. Yeah, he's one of those guys who seems to have kind of got dropped once they changed who was in control of things. So that lets us actually transition to another thing I wanted to talk about as one of the big ideas is Conan returning to AAA after falling out with them. Was it like a year and a half? Maybe two years before. Maybe about a year and a half. It was like December 2017? No, no, way before. Because Vampiro took over in early 2016. Okay. So, 15? Yeah, it was late 2015 because mm-hmm. they had the good stretch of shows in November that year. And then yeah. they, 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 had the, they had the bad Triple Mania. They had the good um, Heroes of Mortalities. They had yes. Conan going on podcasts, making a note of saying, Who do you think built book Triple Mania? Who do you think booked Heroes of Mortalities? Which was him pumping himself up, but was also um, indicating what the problems were going on. And then that was the last show he booked. And he was out triple. He was out triple A soon after, and it was very bad for about a year and a half. And then it got they both sides got very quiet about each other to the point where the crash got suspicious. And I don't know if the crash's timing was right, but the crash ended up turning right because he ended up showing back up in triple A in Tijuana, of all places, where they introduced them. And the crash kind of. They fall off a cliff, but they kind of, you could see the, the, the dramatic shift in the crash booking style once Conan left. Mm. And then you could see the switch take place in AAA because it's hard to know, it's hard not to notice <laughs> a Vampiro sort of book AAA compared to a Conan book AAA. The product drastically improved inside the ring. The booking is a matter of your opinion. There's been good and bad, you know, both ways because. I mean, you just have to look back. Conan's first big thing that he booked in his return was the storyline he was involved in, which was the Mad storyline. And here we are, a couple of days left in 2018, and Mad doesn't even exist until you randomly look up a YouTube video and Conan's trying to recruit Pagano for the group for some reason. Yeah. You couldn't even be sure who's supposed to be in this group at this point. Um, and to be fair, I mean, guys who were in it originally, like... Uh, Teddy Hart disappeared. Juventud Guerrero disappeared. Kevin Cross disappeared and then came back, but never wore the mad stuff. And then at Triple Mania, they put Australian Suicide in the group without anybody noticing, but he never actually wrestled a match for the group from what I remember. No, he he just kept on being booked in the same matches. He was booked already, but he was wearing the mad shirt. So who knows what's going to go on with that. But that was the first big angle that Conan booked in his return. But I think the the staple of Conan returning is that a lot of good, talented young guys started showing up in triple in AAA. And I think as we approach the end of the year, we kind of see which ones are the ones that he kind of picked as the guys who are going to be the core going forward. Yeah. See, that's really – that's what my, the emphasis is to me is that between the, – the problem with the first – four months of AAA, and really, in my mind, you could separate into, like, three different segments this year for AAA. The first, up until we did the Conan return, we had a roster that was just devastated by people leaving and not being able to build talent, that you had some very weak shows on top of some booking that people didn't really care about, like the the Bagali, Tejano, Fantasma, Hijo de Sorate stuff that was not getting over at all, and the Dr. Wagner Tyler that wasn't working. 
But even behind, even if it had worked, the cards were just really bad because they just ran out of people who wanted to work for that company. And then you have the second half, the second third of the year, where Conan comes back and he's recruiting every single indie guy that he knows is very good to fill out these cards, and that's pushing some of the guys who were doing good work originally off the courts, but also all the the Dave the Clowns and the we didn't see any more Glia Kong matches, although she was hurt. But you get the idea. We didn't see a lot of people who were not great parts of that first part of the year off of that. They were off the show. The, we had a lot more big matches, and we had a lot of stuff focused on Mad during that time period. And then you look at everything from Triple Mania on, where the booking is minimal, where it seems to exist at all. Um, but they have, but because they brought in all the new names, there's still pretty good matches going on. It's not the most compelling week to week TV, especially some of these shows. Seems like they've had card the bit main events have, or the whole major. The major event, the Heroes of Mortalities, did not have much to do with the TV that had been coming from it. But you can kind of see you're still getting a good match or a great match pretty much on every taping because they just had a much more stacked roster by the end of the year. Yeah, definitely. So I would say it was a step in the right direction. We'll see where it goes in 2019 because with AAA, you never know. There's always the next shoe to drop that could lead to anything. But we have the Elite versus AAA shows that are still going on. I don't know if they're leading anywhere, but Elite seems to exist as a subdivision of AAA right now. Yeah, and Elite being such a prominent on-screen part of AAA and running yet running no-shows and for all extent looking like, as a standalone promotion, it looks like it might be it's dead or like dormant, but also at the same time, Laredo Kid representing Lucha Libre Elite, which um, winning the Lucha Capital Tournament and winning the Lucha and the Trio Styles. And it, it, it's a kind of a joke that I've made on Twitter. But, I mean, AAA has done more to promote and put over Lucha Elite without, than they have with some of their own their own guys or their own promotion at time. And it doesn't, doesn't completely seem to make any sense because unless they are going to benefit from this in the long run, um, they're really. They probably should just integrate everyone to their own roster and stop calling Lucha Libre Elite. But it does fit with what AAA has historically has done of doing these big promotion versus promotion angles where the other promotion does really well, and then there's no particular end to it. It just kind of fades away. In retrospect, I have no idea why they did Mad and Elite invading at the same time. It should have been just Elite, and then maybe. They would have had some bigger, better names on their side, and it all would have fit could fit better the puzzle. Because I mean, if you just erase Mad's existence and just in every mention you replace Mad with Elite, it actually does make sense, right? Storyline wise, I mean, right. But I don't think I think they want a. I mean, it's the trade of the Conan booking that we've seen in AAA over the years. Is yours have to have the the massive heel group. And you, so that Mad has exists to take the same place that like the the Foreign Legion or the other stuff that he's had them flipping his mate, I'm forgetting my name of. Um, but the Elite couldn't, whatever deal they have going on with Elite, they didn't, they've never really wanted to make it as the heel group. It's just, it's the red team versus the blue team, like WWE. It's not, not one side is good and one side is bad. So. Maybe that's part of the deal with Elite is that they can't they can't 
they can have them lose matches, but they can't make them the heel promotion. But it made for an awkward setup for a lot of the year. And then slowly they just forgot about Mad and it was less of an issue. And the, you know what? Even though Elite gets mentioned and they brought it up as part of Lucha Capital to talk about all these different promotions who were contributing, even when they had to make up promotions or uh, people in promotions, um, it's really. Even, even with the Lucha Libre Elite versus AAA show we have today um, on Twitch, it doesn't feel like there's a a lot of people in Elite or who Elite is as strong as a built as it was built when they first started these shows. It is there are people with Elite, but it does not feel like it's uh, it's as distinct as AAA as it as they started out with. Yeah, and I don't want to steal another one of your upcoming points, so I'm hoping that I'm not stepping on your toes, but the other thing that ties into all this is AAA's dramatic shift, kind of like CMLL, where now they're basically an online company with their Twitch and their Facebook. That was... If it is, then we can we can stop and talk about that later. Well, we, can, we can move right into that, because that's another of the five things I have. Is that just an overall thing, is that in 2018, was was the year where so much of Lutra was streamed and you could watch it live and it was in high quality and, you know, professional quality. Unless, from, unless CML was making you pay for it. Then you unless, went back to the old days. Unless, uh, there's some shows with CML who did not work right. And there are also some, there are some gaps in CML's coverage where we have tile matches on Saturdays and Sundays. They're just disappeared into the void or sent to new Japan, but never actually shown on CML TV. Um, but but we still get tremendous amount of those shows, and they almost never fail, except when we're paying for them. We get we had all the AAA Twitch tapings, which I believe everyone, unless I'm forgetting something, everyone, the stream was fine, the quality was fine. They all went on on-demand like they promised. I think maybe like 30 of us actually bought the Twitch on-demand stuff over the course of the year, but it was there, it worked. Um, they lived up to their promise on something, and that should be congratulated when it comes to AAA, because AAA historically has not done that, but in this case, they said they were going to stream all the shows, and they streamed all their shows, and they streamed even more than I think we probably would have thought beginning of the year. And they one, did thing, year. one thing you forgot to mention is they all started on time, right? No, they did not. not <laughs> the only show that started on time was the one where they thought where they thought it was going to rain, and it did rain, and starting on time did not help them at all. Everything else started very late, but it started consistently late, so we kind of had an idea by about April about when everything was actually going to start. But um, this was a year where it would have been really hard to follow AAA um, on the old way. We're waiting for stuff to come up on YouTube because stuff was coming up on YouTube months later. And this was, would be a tough year to watch CML on the delay because a lot of stuff, like LA Park showing up, was about the about seeing it in the moment. I cannot imagine, like, if this was 10 years ago and we saw an added version of the LA Park rush match, how devastated we would all be because obviously a lot of, maybe if they had to cut that down for time or if they cut that down for content because the TV network wanted them to, that would have lost a lot of its appeal. So, and so getting both of the big promotions live and just almost as much as we wanted was a big step up from where we've been in the past. And beyond that, Although maybe not everyone's favorite people on this podcast, the Mas Lucha doing so many live streams and putting up so many videos brought a lot more promotions into high quality video. 
I was thinking like before where we were in 2017, when Bandito was just about to go to Dragon Gate, and people are asking me, where can I see some of this Bandito stuff? And I was pointing them to shaky handhelds and with bad volume and a camera from the wrong side of the ring at far away. And this year, if I wanted to point to Bandito stuff, or if I wanted to point to the equivalent Bandito stuff, which it seems like Aramis at the moment, there's like 10, 15 high-quality HD matches with production, with actual camera switching and, you know, some sometimes even post-production that I could point to them on the Moss Lucha channel and elsewhere. Because obviously the problem with all of indie wrestling apparently requiring on one group of people and a group of people who are also working with AAA and at any point that AAA could say, here's some more money, just work for us and don't work, don't worry about anybody else. That would devastate everybody. So there's, there's some problems that should probably be fixed there, but it is kind of made, I think in a way make Mexican wrestling as easy to follow as any other kind of style of wrestling, maybe even easier than like European and Japanese ones because the, their high quality stuff is generally behind paywalls, and with Lucha with Mexican wrestling, most of the stuff is on YouTube for free right now. It's a very great moment that probably won't last forever, but is it's something worth noting while it's happening. Yeah, and it's going to stay that way because Mexicans aren't going to pay for their wrestling. That's just the way it is, and I don't think right now. I mean, I'm no technological expert. There's no way to make it just geographical wise where like CMLL could start something up where only people outside of Mexico would have to pay for something because even when it comes to them charging for the pay-per-views you found workarounds where we can pay in pesos which would save us the money from having to pay in American dollars so right now everything looks like it's going to stay for free of course you pointed out all the positive stuff so I have to come off like the negative Nancy here and point out it's really led to an overexposure of CMLL because it's not like the old days. CML is super repetitive these days. And there are a lot of these Monday and Tuesday shows. And late in the year, some of these Friday shows that if you miss them, you miss absolutely nothing. And I definitely think that's something that if I was CML, I would work on a way to try to fix that to differentiate the shows now that they're so available. And I don't expect CML to do that, but that's how I would fix a problem like that. Yeah, I think there's there's obvious opportunity there to to separate to do something different with the shows, but something also that they've never been that interested in providing it as something as a streaming product. It just happens happens to be something that they are. They, it's just easy for them to stream, but not something that they're as focused as even as on AAA is doing it. I mean, this is not really one of my big themes, but I think what we've noticed with CML is that just the whole lightning match thing that we went through first section this year where CML, what they never explained because they don't explain anything is that they were trying to make it clearer for fans in the building who do not follow the product to understand that they were, that this was the singles match was a lightning match with a certain time limit and they wanted to be able to show the match and show the clock on the screen. And it just so happens that the same thing that they put on the screen is what they happen to be streaming to to the fans on the internet. But the fans on the internet are never going to be their concern the way they operate. They're just, they're the free loaders who are going to just have, who are seeing it because it's easy to set up an internet connection for when we need it, so we might as well use it all the time. Uh, 
I think CML has this great streaming platform because someone was interested in doing it, but they they have not taken advantage of it to the same extent that AAA has taken advantage of it to try to reach more people. And even AAA, um, they do some stuff with trying to appeal with the people who are watching online. They have a lot. They slice up their TV in many different ways to the point where it's now airing on Facebook, not just the Lucha Capital, but the, they're uploading random matches in no in no order I can figure out to their Facebook just to get more people to watch them. But they're at least more trying to find a way to make the show is more interesting. And then CML is just kind of going along with the same thing they've done. And even maybe increasingly going towards a uh, more of a, something that they are how they driven business where they expect people to come in when they're having a big national holiday, like Dia de la Mertes or Dia de la Penance, or that they have a Lucha create holiday, like someone's 40th anniversary but that they think that, that the other shows are just treated like filler and have no expect, expectations of putting more, um, that, they, that they're not going to make any int- more interesting than the regular shows, so they're not going to try to make, more, to make them more interesting, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I sometimes I wonder if, if one day JCR just decided he's done with CMLL or something happened and he had to go, if all these streams just magically come to an end, because I feel like it's more about him than it is the actual streams, just like CML Informa exists just for him and some of these press conferences exist just for him. I don't know if it's particularly him, but I could definitely see that if one person goes, the if the right wrong one person goes, we it, no one else picks up the slack. Like um, More even the case with the website. That's the, We've seen that if there was a, one person who was really interested in doing the website and dedicated to doing it, I think the CML website would probably disappear in the month or just stay inactive with nothing going on. Just like the old days, yeah. yeah. And then uh, as as relates to Maslucha, I mean, Maslucha's actually done a good job. My personal feelings aside, the it's good that they're doing the streams live they're on a delay. Some shows you see two months later and you forget that they even happened. You got to go back and look up the lineup. But now that they're doing a lot of live streams, it's beneficial. I mean, we just saw a good one. And it was good this past Friday because it managed some of us were smart enough to avoid a bad CMLL show and got to watch a good IWRG show that night. So options are never a bad thing. Like you said, seeing guys like Aramis in good quality on current stuff is always beneficial. It's and they, it's not just the live streams. I mean, every Wednesday they do a little short show. Every Thursday, like I said, they'll bust out the older shows unless they're doing a live stream. They've really stepped up their game this year. Yeah, I won't say it's directly because we complained about the delays in shows coming out and everything, but they've they've clearly addressed that in some way because uh, they've taken the onus on themselves to do this. So they. W- we haven't specifically requested this stuff. They've been going out of the way to do it. I don't know what their situation is when it comes to maybe they're making extra money off it or they struck a new deal with the companies down in Mexico. But whatever the situation is, I hope it continues into 2019 because it's just better for everybody. It's better for everyone. I'm still concerned that it's a lot of responsibility in one person's hand. And it's also, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know, democratically, democratize the content. I'm not sure if I'm using the right word here. It's kind of like every show is treated the same. There's no, well, if you dig into the shows, you can find out this one 
this promotion is slightly different than the other ones, but the most you get really in reality is that they're separated in different playlists, but they're all presented the same. With you know, maybe you get a different graphics package, maybe you get some something in between the matches. But it's if the promotions want to have their own identities, and what we're seeing with this New Year's Day show in Arena San Juan is that they think they have their own identities presented on the same service next to each other with not much else surrounding it is kind of making it hard for them to create their own identities. Yeah. It seems like they're all Maslucha groups basically. Yes. And then you end up with a poster where it's like Flamita versus Ray Horace on the Lucha memes versus Lucha boom show. And you think, well, who's representing who? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it turns out like a week later that they're not supposed to be representing anyone, but even then it's not clear because there's really not much. The promotions themselves are, Need aren't really aren't really making clear what's supposed to be going on sometimes, um, but I, I and then I I think I think there was I think at some point they're going to want to own that own content too, and I'm not sure maybe maybe that's part of the deal with Masalucha is that they those guys own the that the promotions also get to own the video at the end, but I. I I think at some point there's probably going to be issues with all this, and we got a tease of it when the, that column came up, c- claiming about how much people were making when they weren't really making that money, and it turned out really didn't seem like anything came of it. But the amount of stuff they did this year, it's it's really hard for me to see Masalucha doing any more next year, even with more people, because they were doing streams like twice a week. It seemed like plus you know. Maybe once a week, and once a week they were doing an old show or a show that had just where they were just premiering, and it's it's tough to increase the, the capacity anymore. They did, but there's that means that some sh- some promotions are going to be picked over others, and um, it's probably if you're not the promotion at the focus on, it's not gonna it's going to be a problem for you. It's like later in the year. Early in the year, they were covering IWRG pretty often that you would get to see one of their streams on the show. But the IWRG stream you got saw guys saw Friday seemed like the first time they've had it been on there for a while. And if you're IWRG and counting on this as an outlet, then that's probably a, that's going to be a problem. But if you're just considering it as extra viewers like CML does, then I guess it doesn't even really matter. I'm not sure if you noticed, but the internet TV was also streaming the Friday show. I did not know it's because they have an even lower profile. Now, that's the other thing is that at least when Masalucha does it, people can find out about it. Uh, no one else has reached that those heights yet. I think the only reason I realized is because the, one of the camera angles that they were using when I was watching on Friday was not one of the regular Masalucha camera angles. So I'm like, it's really strange that they would set up their camera in a different place. And then I realized, well, there must be somebody else who set up in, instead of them. And if you go on YouTube and you search the internet TV Deportes, you can see that they put their camera where the hard cam usually is. Ah, that makes sense. As much as anything makes sense for anything. And if I was IWG, why do I have two different people streaming my show? It's another thing I don't understand. But there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. And we'll never <laughs> understand. Nope, that's Lucha. So what was my other... Stories. I don't think they have a great transition, but I would guess that the the probably the biggest story for people who follow Lucha Libre, especially from outside of Mexico, I guess which includes ourselves. But for people in general, the thing that drove them the most interest 
was L.A. Park versus Rush almost happening and then not happening. So I feel like that was one of the bigger stories that just L.A. Park coming to CML, we thought that was a big deal. But the interest in that match alone seemed like it was the one that drove attendance to a CML show like nothing else that they've done. It's pretty much, you can see the attendance chart up once they started that feud and once they made clear that match wasn't actually happening, going down a little bit, going up for the anniversary, and then going down for the rest of the year. I think they, the drawing power of that match alone probably is the reason why both LA Park and Rush are in MLW because they're going to build that match for another audience. I think it. I think LA Park was doing pretty fine for himself before this shoot happened, but obviously it's put him in more, even more demand and have gave him one of his strongest years. So I think he, Wrestling he, Observer Hall of Fame member LA Park. Yeah, which was obviously people who weren't paying much attention as much attention to him in recent years, paying attention to him this year because of the business he did. But I think it was it's it's going to be the thing that this year is going to be remembered for. And it's also going to be, I think, unless they kind of actually do the match next year, if it, if it never happens for whatever reason, it never happens for the Masters here match, then it's going to be remembered as the near the closest near miss that never did. I think that if they can't do this two years in a row, so if that LA Park versus Rush feud shows up again in 2019 at some point in Arena Mexico, I think we can basically lock it in that it's happening at some point this year, most likely the anniversary. I don't think that CMLs, they saw what happened. Like you just put it out, the fans being angry, attendance dropping afterwards. So if they go back to it this year, it's going to be a sure thing that it's happening. Yeah. And I think it's going to be, it's also going to loom over what else they do instead of it, especially if they do something at the anniversary show that's not that match again because people will be people will not have forgotten it even if they're it's not right in front of them i think it's going to be it's going to take a while for them to get over it especially because there's really not that great issue there's not something that they've made or shown the capability to make that to make to be even close to that as a drawing power yeah and uh the interesting thing will be how this does outside Mexico now that it's starting to take place. I I don't believe for a second all these people that are like, well, MLW is going to end up doing hair versus mask match. I, I think it would be beneficial financially to anybody to run that match except for someone with the pocketbooks of like a CMLL or maybe some drug cartel in Mexico, maybe even AAA. I, I think they'll do the WrestleMania match. And I think that's the extent of it. I wouldn't. People shouldn't be holding their breath if they're expecting Court Bauer to shell out the money to take Rush's hair or LA Park's mask. I think they'll do the WrestleMania match. They'll absolutely tease it happening in MLW. MLW will give some unclear comments, but unless MLW gets another group of venture capitalists who want to give them a million dollars, that match is not happening in MLW. And even if they gave them a million dollars, there's probably better things to spend it on that match because they, absolutely. they would have to. I mean, just to spitball, it would have to be something like on the scale of all in for them to be worth their time. Something where they drew 11,000 fans at least. Yeah, I mean, because you're looking at huge payouts for both guys just to be in the match. Yeah. So you'd have to cover that somehow. And you're looking that's at why huge I... payoffs, and then when you actually ask, agree to do the match, and the match happens, you're looking at LA Park holding you up for more money the day of the show. 
Yeah, pretty much. And he's already distrust, distrustful of American promoters as it is. So, you know, that that would definitely be a issue that would crop up before you even did anything. So I think that's going to be a big thing continuing in 2019. Either they do it and it's going to be the match that everyone wants to go see. It's going to be everyone who hasn't gone to Mexico's first trip to Mexico to see that match if they do it at the anniversary show, or they don't do it and it kind of overshadows anything they try to do for stealth for some time unless they find a way to get Unless CML South finds a way to get hot. I think it overshadowed the stuff that happened this year, which I think will go my fifth thing, if I've kept it to five, is that the Triple Mania main event and the anniversary main event do not feel like they're big stories in the in the story of 2018, that they were matches that happened, but that no one's really thinking about ha- having happened four months ago. I think the four-way mass match at Triple Mania was the bigger match at the time, but the Phantasma mass loss has ultimately meant little. It, it's too bad for him, but it's just like it's, it was just a match that happened, and now he's unmasked, and now he has no particular momentum or direction. And the LA Park Phantasma feud, there was no feud. They were just kind of people randomly against each other at the end of a match, and that kind of hurt it itself. And the anniversary match. Um, the Matt Tavian Volador versus Russian Cabernero is going to just be a footnote that people remember as singing the Pustulists, but that's really did not resonate at the time and does not mean anything going forward. And the whole weird Matt Taven turning on Volador at the end doesn't feel like it's going anyplace. So just it, the most we might get about it is that some undercard match on the Ring of Honor New Japan MSG show, but it, it really, it, it, neither match seemed like they had much lasting power in people's memories. So yeah, the funny thing at this at the beginning of the podcast, we were talking about the match coming up on New Year's Day with Iago and Kamora and those guys. Signal that match actually has three times the build that the anniversary show match ended up having. So that shows you how much thought was put into that. And it's funny you mentioned Phantasma because he posted a pic recently where he shaved, and I legitimately had no idea who it was. Did you, you remember seeing that? Yeah. He doesn't seem like he had a great idea for what his look should be after he unmasked, which is one of the problems. The other problem is that when he decided on his look, it's that they're being those silly jumpsuits, which does not make anyone... It gives them a distinct look, but no one comes off as a star in those kind of outfits. And I think we've discussed this privately a couple times. I think this will be the first time we're talking about it on the podcast, but Phantasma definitely seems like a guy who... He seems like he's done in Mexico. He feels like he's meant for better things, and he's not putting nearly any of the effort in that we even used to see in Lucha Underground. And even in this past very weak Lucha Underground season, it was not the same guy as it was in previous seasons. Yeah, it's like, I do not know anything about this, so this shouldn't be taken as like a preview or like a, a news or anything. But if he got picked up in the January NXT signings, I would not be shocked for a second that it happened because it, he's kind of, operating like a guy who has not invested much more to do in Mexico and lost his title in a, in a surprise loss. So I, I'm ready for any sort of thing happening with him, including nothing at all happening with him, because it just seems like he's been working his way out the last few years, the last few months. But also, it also feels like it's not like Psycho Clown is working his way out, and Psycho Clown hasn't got a lot to do. So I don't really know what to make of it at this point. But with Phantasma, it's educated assumptions because 
we know for a fact that when season two of Lucha Underground came along, he was one of the guys who was supposed to be in that Cruiserweight Classic tournament, yeah. and he couldn't because of the contract. And he was clearly unhappy about that because he sat out a whole season. Right. So, and it's, he, as we've said, like a hundred different times during different podcast platforms in different ways that he was the guy who always seemed like um, someone who would fit what WWE was looking for. And they never took him for whatever reason. And now I don't think he's as good as he was when we were first talking about him in that position, but he'd still in a, a world where WWE is grabbing everyone they can. He definitely fits that bill. Yep. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Looking forward to 2019 for a second, we've already predicted what, I mean, well, I predicted that LA Park game, that probably means that they're actually going to do it. But when we look at AAA, the match that we all assume was is LA Park versus Wagner, match versus Hare. They specifically told all the announcers to, to announce as if it was definitely happening. Right, but based on the development you talked about earlier about L.A. Park having his fallout with the company and in storylines we've seen that Wagner has been programmed more with Blue Demon Jr. Do you foresee that being an actual match at Triple Mania? I, I would say less than 50% chance it happens. But then I don't feel like... I feel the longer they've gone with this Demon Wagner thing, it doesn't feel like it's going... I, draw but doesn't feel like a big deal either so they may limp along with it but does not feel like a, a strong match so they could do I don't know that AAA will know it's I don't know that AAA is 100% sure what's Triple Mania matches so I think that press conference they're having in early January is going to be super interesting because if they don't say it's if they say anything besides this LA Park versus Wagner that means it's all up in the air and I don't know that They'll have anything that's going to happen in the next few weeks is going to make it easier for them to make the decision. And it was early last year where we knew the Triple Mania main event. We just didn't know who the participants were, right? Yeah, they announced that they were going to do the 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 Aces of the Poker pretty early on in January. They just didn't say who was going. They took their time to reveal who was going to be in it, probably because they changed through the year where Penta took Demon's place at one point. Right. So it'll be interesting 2019 to see what AAA can bust out. We still have the Conan versus Vampiro tease where it will probably won't be. I don't want to say for sure won't be there, but probably won't be them in an actual match. And they'll have surrogates in there. But I mean, Conan is wrestling somewhat in MLW and Vampiro's been in a ring beating people up. Yeah. It hasn't been. Conan's probably not doing all that much and shouldn't be doing all that much in the ring, but Vampiro's actual matches aren't any better. So it's not like there's going to be one guy who will get a lot better than the other if they actually do it. And plus they're going on an international tour, I hear. <laughs> they're always going on the international tour. The, the, I don't understand why they said, why they let Vampiro have a microphone to talk about things. Because I'm sure all those countries you brought up, they've had a conversation with or they spitball an idea, but that doesn't mean any of them are actually going to happen. So... Why, why, um, confirm people's belief that AAA makes up stuff by having Vampiro make up for stuff? I mean, you sh- you could probably rebuild trust if you only announce stuff the AAA was actually going to do, but instead they let Vampiro decide to talk about whatever's on his mind, and you get the results you get that way. 
And I should say, I mean, we joke about it here, but the the Columbia tour was a big, or Columbia show, I should say, was a big success. And there probably is a market there and something AAA can do. But at the end of the day, it's AAA. So we have to be skeptical that there'll actually be some sort of follow-up. Yeah, that there was no, it, it's a warning sign that they ran these shows and they had no direct idea of when they were going to run another show. Or ran that one show and didn't have a direct plan to cut another one. But at least they're they're they at least they managed to run that one show, which is better than they've done with some of these other plans. Yep, definitely. And yeah, that would that would be good for them if they could somehow internationally get to these places before WWE gets a chance to. Because that should be the goal of most companies. We know where WWE wants to go, and one of the places WWE wants to go is Mexico. So maybe Mexico should take the initiative and take go to some of these places that WWE is eventually going to want to go in South America and Central America. Yeah, it, it would help them long term if they kind of built up some roots in these places before other people built, before other people or took them over. I mean, in a lot of these places, the only TV, the only wrestling they've seen on TV is WWE, so they already have a WWE bias to fit to get over but at least wb is really not making money on these from, from these places or not expanding these places more than like once a year or once every few years so there's opportunity there but i don't know i i i want triple a to succeed and do well these things i just don't believe they're going to accomplish anything until they actually do yeah uh so that was your five right yeah I don't have five, but I've got a couple that I can mention of big okay. stories that I thought. So one, an easy one, just to get it out of the way, would be the. I've brought this up before on various message boards, but the the fact that in 2018 we saw a lot of the legends that we count on to be regular pillars of CMLL and not just CMLL, but just the lucha libre scene in general in 2018 has kind of exposed the fact that. They're all pretty much finished, whether it be a Negro Casas or a Blue Panther or a Negro Navarro or a Black Terry. It's over for these guys. Maybe not maybe not 100%, like in the case of a Cien Caras, but definitely over 75%. Like These guys will never be working at the peak level that we thought they, had, they could still keep up with up until like a year ago. And... It's sad because, I mean, it reflects in Arena Mexico when you watch it. These guys not being around, clearly there's no locker room influence getting guys to work as hard as they used to. And it's just sad because, you know, Negro Casas used to be the guy we would always point to. There's a guy who's 57, 58 years old, and he can still go. He can hang with all these 20-year-olds, and he just can't anymore. His body has completely turned on him this year. And the name I left off off this list, but you know, clearly is another case of this is Atlantis. Ever since he came back from the injury, he's finished. He's clearly just hanging around to buy time until he can team with his son for a while. Yeah. I wonder, this year was the year where age caught up to him. I wonder if maybe a 2019 story is where a lot of those guys decide to just call the career. I mean, the Panthers' third son is going to debut today or Christmas Day, I don't know when you're listening to this, but Christmas Day is supposed to come, and the Panther and Blue Panthers talk about retiring once his, that son has got third, and Atlantis clearly is hanging on for his two team with his son, but after a year about that, is he going to want to stay around any longer than that? So, I, I, I think it's going to be, 
tough for them to go away because obviously CML made a lot of made a lot of the bigger shows built around these having these legends around, and they it seems like it, the Mexican wrestling thing is that if for whatever reason it doesn't work as well or they're not as interested in honoring these guys unless they are actually wrestling on the show. So you get Gary Shrada making his return in a sad match, but that's the only way that they feel like they, need, they can bring him back. And if they need to keep having these guys out there to do these shows of honoring them, it's probably not going to end well, but it's also going to it'll also maybe a reason that they'll be kind of convinced to hang around. But I don't know if that's the way it's going to work or if the if these guys are going to decide to just take care of themselves and get out of the ring before they hurt themselves anymore. Yeah. Another one that I had that I'm surprised you didn't actually mention, but I mean, Bandito, just in general. The worst Bandito news? I didn't hear anything about Bandito this week. <laughs> I think, uh, and it ties into, it's actually two points I wanted to make, but I can combine them into one, basically. So you've got the story of Bandito, who turned, uh, we've talked about this on the podcast before, I'm almost positive this is not new news or anything, that basically at this time last year, wait, was it December? Yeah, it was around this time, although the decision would have been a month before or so. So like November 2017, it was down to Bandito or Golden Magic. One of those two was going to end up touring with Dragon Gate, teaming with Flamita, and it ended up being Bandito. And the story writes itself from that point forward. He got over doing Dragon Gate. He got invited to do PWG in March. And here we are, entry 2018. The news comes out that he signed a full-time exclusive contract with ROH. Full-time as in U.S. and Canada. He'll still be available to work in Mexico whenever he wants, but it will be a limited schedule. And this is not, uh, hey, we're just bringing in a Mexican guy to do guest shots. He's going to be one of the top guys in ROH, a a star on the roster who they're going to push as one of the top guys or at least that's all the indications that we have right now. And it's a big deal because this is, you know, he's even taken it a step further from the Phoenix and Pentagon types. Phoenix and Pentagon were working indies back starting in, I want to say 2015. So they're still on the indie scene. They took them this long. They've, they've been fielding offers clearly. And obviously they can't go to WWE because they're probably under Lucha Underground contract. And that's the thing that was keeping them out all this time. But now with more options opening up, I mean, you see how fast it was for Bandito to eclipse even what it took Phoenix and Penta three years to build up. And within the span of six months, this guy's already got a huge ROH deal. It should open a lot of people in Mexico's eyes because, as I said, it's going to tie into my next point, which is WWE is apparently coming in 2019. This whole, where was it, Chile, right? Yeah, Chile. This whole Chile tryout that they did, you know, it was not a tryout for WWE. It was not a tryout for NXT, even though the NXT coaches and some of the co-op talent was there to give the illusion that it was. The WWE is coming to cherry pick all the talent that they want from Mexico. And it sort of ties into the whole Bandito situation that's been going on because it's no secret that WWE wanted Bandito too. And... That's one of the things that Mexico needs to watch out for in 2019 is that WWE is going to try to do in Mexico what they did to the UK in 2018. They want all the talent. They don't necessarily want the talent themselves. They just don't want anybody else to have the talent. And they're already putting people in place in Mexico to talk to these guys and put the thoughts in their head. 
And I think we need to watch out for that. There's going to be a big, big change in the Mexico Indies in 2019 where guys just need to watch their back, listen to who they're talking to, and we'll see what happens because the last thing WWE wants is more guys like Bandito where they're going to make stars of themselves. And then WWE is going to have to actually pay them real money to end up coming in one day. I don't want to insult anybody because they're my friends, but there are people in NXT who are former Mexican wrestlers who basically are the type of guys that WWE wants. They were the guys who were said, who WWE said, Hey, we want you and here's what we're willing to pay you. And those guys jumped at it. That is what WWE thrives on. I mean, it happened in the UK too. It's no secret. WWE just offered a certain amount of money and the guys took it because they want to be in WWE and they thought this was their only way to do it, that they can't say no. So I don't want to get up on my high horse or anything, but you know, a lot of Mexican wrestlers need to pay attention to what happened with Bandito and see that if you invest in yourself and you find a way to get a break in the US or in Japan, you can make something of yourself without having to rely on WWE coming after you. I'll take a break if you want to insert anything. No, I, I generally agree with you. I, I think it's going to be... There's also people obviously positioning themselves to be WWE's representative or WWE's ears and mouth maybe in Mexico, and it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to play out and affect how people are allowed to work with each other or or what people... what promises are made to different people. Um I I think the it's going to be at least from afar it's going to be interesting to see how the WWE UK thing all works out if if it go how well it goes there which it seems like it's at least for what WWE's goals are if not even what WWE drawing but they've been able to take the talent that they've wanted and that's going to be kind of the blueprint that they're going to use elsewhere so um I don't hey, know. sorry go ahead. I, I'm not as convinced that they're going to come to the Mexico in 2019 as you are, just because I think oh. there's other places they're going to be looking to go for first. But I think oh, I'm so, I'm sorry, I misspoke. I misspoke. That didn't come out right. When I mean that they're coming to Mexico, I mean they're coming to take Mexico talent, but they're mm-hmm. not going to have a territory there. They're going to set up somewhere else because you cannot run in Mexico. It's been proven before. Right. I think I think it, it, it's a clear indication that they ran in Chile, and if Chile. If they were happy with they ran in Chile, they're going to run. They're going to run in some country where there is no landed promotion where they can have the country to themselves, and they don't have to worry about people walking off their reservation and working on a random Arena San Juan show because there's not going to be an Arena San Juan Chile, you know. Um, but I could, I I feel like they're still a couple of years away from from that NXT Performance Center thing happening in someplace else, but I, I can see it coming, and it's probably going to... The people getting in position for it kind of starts this year, I think. Well, well, really, but what worries me about all this is, like, people don't see through this. I don't know why, but the Mexican media, the wrestlers, I understand, but the the people who should know better don't know better. For example... I bring up the quote that everybody seems to be passing around about how when Dragon Bane says he was invited to the tryout because Sarah Stock saw him and liked him. I mean, Cubs, let's be honest here. Do you believe that? As Sarah Stock has a job where she's the, she's actually now, if I understand that, she's in the producer agent for the 
or Raw, where she's working on those matches of going on their house shows. She's probably not spending her free time tracking down matches in Kualko. She's probably talking, at most she's talking to people who promote shows, and and they're giving them the list of names. And maybe she's taking a quick look at them just to make sure she's not getting totally snowed. But if she knows the people passing on are good, she's going to just go with those recommendations. And she's never going to have seen those people before they actually come in for a tryout. Exactly. So she she clearly knows somebody, and it's no secret. We're all, we all know who it is mm-hmm. who is getting people these names in exchange for probably getting them to work shows for free and get tied into them in Mexico City. And it's like a the Gabe Sapolsky type thing, but in the but the Gabe Sapolsky of Mexico, but. It's just, you know, AAA and CMLL need to pay attention to this. I know AAA is paying attention because Conan's talked about it and Conan's sent out his own warning to these people, the wrestlers, I mean, you know, to be careful about what WWE is actually interested in when they contact you. But even the CMLL needs to pay attention to something like this because if, if there's somebody in Mexico who's specifically telling WWE about, well, you need to get this guy to... This guy's going to be part of the future. You know, he's going to be a good guy. If they get tied in the way the UK guys did, it could be a situation where these guys end up signing contracts where they can keep working on the Indies in Mexico and doing all their thing and getting a small percentage. You can still hear me, right? Yes. Okay. They, they keep getting a small, uh, small percentage of whatever WWE is paying them. But part of those contracts would be that they can't go to a triple A or to a CMLL. And what this would do is it would deplete the actual talent that exists in Mexico. And that's really the big danger here is you don't want any sort of guy that shows the remote, a remote little piece of talent, like a, like a guy like Bandito, for example. You don't want a guy like that who two years ago nobody knew. You don't want to be in that spot where Two years ago, imagining if WWE had a connection like they do now, and the guy could say, like, oh, this guy's going to be good. Make sure you sign him up for a little amount of money, and he can never go to another place without your permission. A guy like Bandito wouldn't exist. That would be the end of him. Right. That's, it, my, that, that's my concern. The, the danger is the plucking fruit off the trees way too soon. I mean, it would be very sad and, not, and disappointing for Mexican wrestling if CML signed Dragon Lee, say, in January. But at least Dragon Lee has formed into a really top-level professional wrestler. If they signed Audaz in January, who is a guy who hasn't had a chance to develop at the same rate and hasn't had those chance to have those big matches, and then just sit him in a performance center um, taking hip tosses for the next two years, that's really probably not going to be great for him, and it's not going to be great for CML or for Mexico in general. Right. Or, I mean, we could just use the Dragon Bane example. I mean, Dragon Bane is a teenager. He's got, he's not even that good. I mean, I don't want to break it to anybody. He's good. Don't get me wrong. For his age and his experience, he's amazing. But if you look at the overall picture of Dragon Bane, he's got a long way to go. If you want to compare him to who I think is the top prospect in Mexico right now, a guy like Aramis, Dragon Bane isn't even in his league. He's got so much more to improve on. And I fear that all this stuff happening to him so early where he legitimately thinks He's getting a call or an email any day now, and he's moving to Florida. That ain't happening, okay? And nobody's telling him this. And I fear, and you can kind of see it in some of the matches he's had, except for that Allen Extreme match recently. He's, uh, he's only working with his brother. Uh, his brother, by the way, for people who don't know, is Hijo de Canis Lupus. 
And with Black Warrior Jr., who is fucking awful, literally the shit. And those are not the type of guys that Dragon Bane should be working with. But these are the guys he's going to be encouraged to work with because that's just the way the situation he's in right now. He's listening to people who are telling him where he needs to work and he's not taking the right advice. And those are these are the dangers that I'm hoping that at some point, very soon, because it would have to be very soon, that people start to realize what the what lies they're being told and need to focus on their own careers. Because there's a good group of guys. Some of them are in China right now. Some of them are on the indie level, you know, guys like Ares, Latigo, Toxin, those type of dudes, who or Torito Negro, guys like that, who are very good. And they're not so under the radar that, you know, they can't be taken advantage of when they return to Mexico from their trips. A guy like Ares, you know. He has a visa. Any U.S. company could book him right now. Why they're not booking him, I do not know. I've tossed his name out to a bunch of different companies. And everybody's had the chance. Same thing with Bandito. Before Bandito was a star, I've been letting people know that this guy's a good dude. Maybe you should give him a chance. And I feel like ours is going to be one of these good test cases where we'll see if a U.S. promotion jumps on him and decides to give him a chance. Or we'll see if maybe he gets frustrated at the lack of opportunities and then decides to go the other route where he knows the promoter who's kind of got an in with WWE and might go down that path. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think what we've seen with, with uh, one, as much as stuff has become opened up and more people, it's easier to watch this stuff from outside of Mexico and high quality. It's still a situation where those people getting the opportunities in the U.S. mostly, a little bit in Japan, but mostly U.S. are still the same guys who have got it a year ago, with the exception of Bandito. It, it's it's tough to get U.S. promoters to bring up-and-coming Mexican names without them having made a name someplace else first. We're still getting a situation where Bandito had to make his name in Dragon Gate before he could get to the U.S., where... Where Lucha Underground season four happened, but did not make any names as it did in previous years. So it almost almost like Lucha Underground was more knowable for the contracts people were under or no longer under or still trying to figure out if they were on a no compete thing and for how long they were than for any any good or bad thing they did because it was just such a it was it was. It existed in its own little universe, and it was a non-factor everywhere else. It felt like, um, and as good as CML and AAA have been at times, it's not like a situation where, outside of the Rush Matt Haven feud, where anything that's happened in CML or AAA that involved people who weren't otherwise going to be in the U.S. has gone to the U.S. I mean, LA Park Rush got moved to the U.S., but I think LA Park. If people were interested in bringing him in before, they could have brought him in before. It's not like Kevin Ario on having a whole bunch of great matches with Phoenix has seemed to get any interest in being booked in the U.S. And I think part of that is that we don't know if Kevin Ario can travel to the U.S. or if he's interested in working in the U.S., but given how many people have... There's still a whole bunch of people who have been good or have been in a lot of big matches but still are not being touched by every place else. And if that stays the same, it's going to be tougher for people to justify not going to like a WWE where they actually have interest in these guys, 
even if it's a small interest that's probably undervaluing their worth, at least it's interest over what they're getting elsewhere. Yeah, for what it's worth, a guy like Covenario, he can't work in the U.S. And I wonder if maybe he'll do more in 2019 because he did just post a picture where he's officially graduated, so he's done with school. Yeah, like how they have, I guess it's Britt Baker, who how they put DDS because she got her dental degree. We need to put um, license Barbaro Cavernero on this um, graphic when it comes out because he's a licensed accountant. Right. I think, I think that's only fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. 2019, definitely be interesting to see who the new group, new crop is that ends up invading the U.S. because now that a guy like Bandito's in ROH and Phoenix and Penta, you assume, will end up somewhere. I don't foresee them staying independent the entire year. Yeah, I think that's the, the big ticking clock. Uh, to steal a bit from a popular YouTube series, is that whenever I don't think anyone believes that Lucha Underground is going to be coming back for a fifth season, um, at least not in TV form. Maybe someone will make a comic book or something. I don't know. But whenever the whenever that officially gets canceled and those guys are free agents, it's going to be um, it's going to be a, a feeding frenzy and a, a like a competition for them to, to for who's going to sign them because. Everyone who's been using them has been their second place to Lucha Underground, and I don't know if any of those deals are going to hold out or if someone's going to blow them away with so much money that they're going to just break those deals and, and sign with someone new. The funny thing is, I think a couple of the guys, because of all the gifts and all the good matches they've had in the last month, that could actually get good interest would be a guy like Hijo del Vikingo and Angelico, a.k.a. Mysticis Jr. But the problem is neither of those guys have visas right now, which is always... A problem when it comes to certain Mexican guys. If they can't get a visa, they can't work in the U.S., and we're basically shilling them for nothing. But yeah. if those two guys could get visas, I could easily see everybody seems to want the Viking these days, Yeah, as, I, they, as they call him. And I think even back towards when he was on Impact Show, he did really well. I think people wanted him in on there. But mm-hmm. it, it just getting those visas is going to be continuing a problem, and I don't think that's going to be a situation that's going to become any easier between the U.S. and Mexico in 2019. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. It'll be a very interesting year. That was basically my three. I don't think I have anything else. I think uh, I haven't even done my balloting for my top matches or top wrestler this year. But I mean, my top match, I can't see anything eclipsing. Depending on what day it is, I either pick the Phoenix versus Covernario round one or LA Park versus Rush. I think it's been a good year for like the top matches we've had. The we have like a range of stuff. It hasn't this AAA or CML arenas, but we've had the Phoenix versus Kevin Air stuff. We had the LA Park versus Rush match, which I think it's a little bit tainted because it, it was more of a build up match or a match that never happened, but it was still fit in their series of matches. I, I kind of want to pick Aramis versus Turner because that was the last one I saw that was really great, but. I, I think nothing, still. nothing, nothing against that. But one of my pet peeves, yeah. because I listen to the Lucha Talk Award Show, or yeah. some of it, not all of it, is like people who pick their awards, and like they'll say, like, what was the example that they did on the show? They did something was the worst of the year, and they named something that happened two days ago, and that always screams of like, well, I can't remember anything else, so I'll just pick the most recent thing I saw. But you're right, Aramis versus Eternal was absolutely amazing. Yeah, but there's like earlier stuff in the year, like the the Tijuana match, the Tijuana AAA opener 
with um, Archangel Davino and Ultimo Dito and Gino Del Air and the other guys whose names I'm blanking on. That was really great. Um, I thought the Grand Alternative Final was really good, too. I don't know. I have a lot of matches I think are pretty good, but then I might actually, if I pick just not Mexican wrestling, but wrestling entirely, I might pick the PWG Battle of Los Angeles Final just because the experience of it was being there. I'm not sure. It was a match that I thought was outstanding and that still had a weak first half, but I think the last 10 minutes of that were just out of the world, out of this world. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was there too, right? So I agree with you. It was amazing. I was just focusing on Mexico, but if you go all over the world, then absolutely that match has to be right up there. And the crowning achievement of Bandito's year, I guess, until the recent news that came out. Yeah. And in wrestler of the year, I don't know. This is one where it does not feel like there's a standout for picker. I mean, if we're doing like the, Biggest, most important person, I think, is L.A. Park. But if we're doing... Without a question. If we're doing the guy who had the most great matches, then it, I, I think you go a whole bunch of different records. But I think it would probably end up with Phoenix, just because of so many th- times and so many places I saw him have great matches between um, Arena Ciudad de Mexico and Arena Gali, which are two different places. Um, he had great matches in each of them. So um, I think he would probably be my pick for the best wrestler of the year. Yeah, and then if you look at it not from a best match point of view, but just in terms of what they did, a guy like Cavernario is probably up there in CMLL. And you've got the... That was one of the things I could have included in the top five story, but the NGD, the New Dinamitas, they've they skyrocketed. They're basically the cornerstones of CMLL right now, whether it be positioning on the card, the fact that they headlined the second biggest show of the year, or the fact that CMLL actually made a comic book around them. Yeah, they're obviously the they're going to be the guys for the for the the foreseeable future until so, unless something happens to them. They they made that even more clear that they weren't just the hot rookies of the year of last year. That they you know, Carthero got Angel De Oro's mask and that they they have all the title belts and they never seem to lose a title match. Um, they're obviously the guys that they're behind. Into the to the extent that they're slow playing is that they know that they're going to be doing all these matches for them for the next two decades. So maybe they're not in a hurry to do the Guerrero stuff that versus the NGD match we want to see, but they'll have plenty of time to do it later. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who else CMO decides. To, I could see a guy like Audaz. We've already mentioned Templario. Mm-hmm. Those are the type of guys. I could even see a guy like, as much to my chagrin, but a guy like Esfinja moving up on the CMLL cards and being some of the guys that they build around in addition to I mean, they've clearly gone behind Cranio and Volcano as a team. Yeah, to probably Volcano's detriment. Oh, one of my one of my things that I keep thinking in the back of my head, it, it kind of goes two ways because it ties in with what I mentioned about WWE's coming in 2019. And I always joke to myself about how CMLs kind of made themselves bulletproof to WWE in the sense that so many guys on the CML roster are basically unemployable anywhere except CMLL whether it's because they're terrible or whether it's because they're just family who only have jobs because the family runs the company. And it's actually genius, if you think about it, of CMLL to make sure you have a roster of guys that nobody else would want. But at the same time, I don't think CMLL is smart enough to pull off anything like that. So I think it's just coincidence. Yeah. Oh, that's something they just backed their way into, unfortunately. And right. there's still, still plenty of people that, that 
on the lower rungs, I think that they'd triple it, that CML would still pick and um, WAB would still pick and knowing WAB, they would even pick some people who they had no business picking just to mess with another company. Well, I guess we got to get in touch with Sarah Stock and see what else, what she's, what she's enjoying from the Tuesday Segundas and their Sarahs. Yeah, I want to see her match of the, their Mexican wrestling match of the year list. I think they would help us a lot. Yes, her her year end ballot would be really impressive. I, I especially would like to know what she thinks about the women's division in CMLL right now. Yes, yeah. would be a should be interesting. Yeah, is two thousand nineteen the year that the CMLL has a show headlined by women? Go on the record, yes or no, Cubs? That would be a no. I'm kind of afraid. I'm thinking that you never know that Dallas could somehow get herself at least into a Tuesday main event. I mean, it wouldn't be any worse if they did it on Tuesday. I would have no problem with a Tuesday, but like on a serious Friday night show, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that um, they would be in that position. That's a place where we could use some retirements, but I don't think we're going to get. I, I, don't, I expect more of the same there. I expect more of the same in the mini division. I worry that. The micro division might lose some of its allure because they're just doing these same matches for the entire 2019. But I think people love Microman enough that it's not going to make that big of a difference. But there's a new micro coming. I don't know. I mean, when I say coming, I don't know when he's coming because you see these guys pop up in pictures in the CMO school and you never know what happens to them. But there's a guy who's about Microman size who's also training there. I've seen him in a couple of pictures with his face blurred out on some private accounts. So I wonder if he could be some new blood coming next year. Yeah, I think that's the problem. CML has all the places they have the same matchups, but at least you have a lot bigger of a roster to choose from from the other main divisions than you do for the micros. So I'm worried about that long term. Yeah, and I mean, the minis division in CML is something that I would kill off in a second and try to reorganize it in some way. But, they're just making the minis division the second Segunda division, and they're just slowly moving everyone out. So give them enough time, and they'll take care of it. Oh yeah, I mean Mercurio. I just saw him. Man, I can't even remember why I saw him recently, but I saw him in something recently. And the guy's huge. The guy is probably taller than all the minis they've moved up already. So you got to figure at some point he's going up there. So yeah, I, I don't know what else there is. You got anything? I don't think I don't think I have anything particular. I think I think there's things I would like to see with like AAA instead of having people constantly ask them for English language support that they actually do some more English language announcing with people dedicated to it. But I don't think that's actually going to ever happen. So uh, we can save our predictions for another show. But I think um, I, I think we've pretty much covered it. Uh, what are you up for tomorrow? Are you going to do like me? Going to do five straight hours of lucha? I think that's a plan. I, I had plans for the evening that I've switched the afternoon, so I think I'm going to watch the full CML show and then watch the rest of the AAA show once that gets done and then go back and watch the beginning of the AAA show. They're not going to overlap. I think there's, I mean, if CML can get done in two hours and AAA starts as late as we expect it to. AAA has a start time of 6.45, I think. 6.45, and CML show is going to be 5 to 7 at least. So there's right. going to be some, some overlap. I'm not going to be able to watch this Solaris match live. That's the one I'm most looking forward to, to see if those mini clowns actually finally show up. I don't believe they'll show up. I, I believe that that's really the biggest story of 2018 is that mini grounder was advertised and did not appear. That was just... 
Well, I'm looking forward to who's going to be the first person tomorrow to complain about the quality of work on the AAA or the CMLL shows, knowing that it's Christmas Day, and also many of the guys have double and triple bookings. Yeah, I, I would not expect great. Uh, not, I, I think people should have their expectations in check, but I think people are just going to um, hope for a lot more. But it, still, it'll be nice to see those, see some of the people we're going to get to see, especially since some of those guys don't seem to make TV all that much. And hell, we don't even know if Maslucha is going to pop. There's a million shows going on. They could pop up with a live stream from anywhere. Yes. I kind of expect that they will, and there'll just be too many things going on at once. Well, we'll see. So thanks, everyone, for listening. I think we'll probably do another podcast maybe before, probably more likely after Fantastic Mania. Um, maybe talking about those shows and whatever else AAA has announced by then, but we'll figure it out later. Oh, I'm going back to Mexico, by the yeah. way, so maybe we can do it after that, and I can give you a whole live report, because I'm very excited. I'm going to Riot on February 2nd. They are having a mystery show, and I am already bothering the promoter, trying to get every one of my friends or people I want to see live booked. So if you have it my way, I'll give away the main event right now. It's going to be Microman and Jail against Skyda and Latigo. Yeah, so that's not actually happening. There's no, no absolutely not. None of those guys, I bet, are going to be there. No. It's going but yes, to, I'm very, I'm very excited because Riot's always a good time. It's going to be the promoter's favorite wrestler, Vasco Jr. in the main event, is what oh. I understand. I hope they bring in Sammy to lose to Vasco Jr. No, Sammy will probably be in DDT at that point because that's where he seems to spend all his time along with Puma. Yeah, this <laughs> is Sammy, Puma, and the AAA Cruiserweight title will all be in DDT. Well, that's the question I should have asked you. Does the AAA Cruiserweight title get defended at all in 2019? I believe so. But much like Phoenix in the AAA title, it gets defended on some other show. Where did he defend the AAA title? He, he, that was the golly match. All right, you are correct. Yeah, I could see. I could see Sammy just. I could see them doing a title match and just maybe. Does Sammy have a girlfriend that could take the title back for pictures, and that's how they could get it off without <laughs> him finding out about it? It could be like remember when the Noah team won the AAA tag titles at a Triple Mania one year, and then. Some other nowhere team just won it and brought it back, and we just it didn't make any sense, and no one really knew or hear anything about it. I could see Sammy losing this title to someone who will actually someone else who will come back to AAA at some point, and, and instead of him, Andre the Giant Panda, Andre the Giant Panda, maybe Puma himself, maybe Puma beats him in DDT, and that's how the title gets back to Mexico. Why don't they do that? That actually makes perfect sense. They can get without bringing, if Sammy's not coming back, just give it to Puma. We know Puma's coming back. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe Lucha Capital Season 2 will be for the vacant Cruiserweight title. That would be very exciting. They'll still have Nuno Hamburguesa and Masquerade Sagrada, and it will make it even better. That should be the question coming up. So, like, does Killer Cross, what is Killer Cross going to do in 2019? He <laughs> well, just Kill- keeps beating everybody up. Well, Killer Cross is whole thing will will there ever be a payoff match to it or will he just keep on doing what he's doing i was looking back at it Lucha underground there was no payoff to kill across either they kind of built him up with the idea that they're going to do something in season five and good luck on the season five i think everybody just looks at him and thinks here's a big guy with good physique makes good mean faces but then he gets in the ring and nobody has any idea what to do with the guy 
No, it's always that they're Triple is going to get is going to do it. They're going to get around to it, and then they never figure out who they're going to get around to it or who he's going to face. I don't even know, know who Kill Cross is supposed to feud with right now. Besides Vampiro, and I do not want to see that match. So, you think so, like any other promotion, they would have, like if, as soon as Phoenix was healthy, just do the Phoenix Kill Cross match so Phoenix gets a win, and then you can just move on with your life, or you should just move on with your life in the first place, and everyone be fine. Right. I mean, I honestly. Don't have a don't have any problem with Killer Cross. Seems like a nice dude. Seems fine, but there's no reason for him to be in Mexico because he's got no hair. There's nothing to build to there. The titles don't mean anything in AAA as it is. So what do you you know what are you building him for? For literally, there's no reason for him to exist. I guess he's so useless in his existence that they had to give him Scarlet. The they brought in Moose to replace him on the last TV taping, and it was like no big deal because it was just. Right. Cross, Cross had not meant that much that people were going to be upset. It was it like people were upset when Cage wasn't there, and Cage has not been featured nearly as much lately. And I don't think that people felt the same way about Cross. Right, that's my main thing when it comes to foreigners who are like you know when you have a Johnny Idol type guy there who's has no reason to exist. So you replace it with dark magic. Nobody notices, even though they're different skin color, different body types. No one notices when dark magic goes missing. <laughs> Well, exactly. And, or like a guy like Sam Adonis, who super nice guy, don't get me wrong, and he certainly served a purpose when he first showed up, but once he had that hair loss, there was literally no reason for him to still be in Mexico, but he was still in Mexico. And stuff like that is really annoying. No, and if, like Sam Adonis is a big fan. It seems like a big fan of all the territory wrestling and stuff from the 80s and before, where the in those places the Sam Adonis character would lose the big match and then it would move on to a different territory. And I think the problem is that a lot of times the Lucha promotions don't get around to building to that big match. And in Sam's case, he lost the big match and then he was still around, but there was nothing left for him, which was unfortunate for him. But um, they, I would love to see in 2019 is that people get brought in for like short runs, build up to a big match, and then just go away instead of kind of holding on hope for that they'll get around to that big match at a different occasion or for never paying it off at all. They kind of did it with Matt Taven, except it wasn't the greatest of stories, but, I mean, he kind of fits the example there. Yeah. So, but yeah, we'll see. But, a, hey, Mr. They, blew they brought him in for two short runs, and they blew him off, and then they brought him in again, but then they made it completely indecisive the last time, which made no sense. But that's... I, I, someday we're going to have like a, a oral history or some sort of breakdown of what has happened there and why it happened there, but I think people are still too upset to really talk about it. Kind of like how Spider Nate Webb just messaged you on Twitter explaining his whole play thing? Yeah, and as soon as we're done talking here, I'm posting that match for Spider Nate Webb himself wrestle. Well, listen, before we cut it off, I mean, don't you have to plug Sam's upcoming appearance in The Crash? I, I think I, I mentioned in the news update, so we're good there. He's, for those of you who haven't been following, for some reason, they're bringing in Sam Adonis, Swoggle, and oh, Jeff Cobb. I like, a, I like a Kendra, like AIW's um, people for getting Swoggle, the sweet, literally rebooking, because I don't know how that happened. <laughs> it, it is, and not only the mind, mind-boggling part is, they've got the hottest international Mexican star, Bandito, and they just stuck him in that match. Yeah. You're wasting Bandito. You're wasting Jeff Cobb. You're bringing in Sam for God knows what reason. And when they announced Swago, I thought, hey, that's cool. They're going to bring in Masquerita Dorada, and that's going to be like drawing an old WWE-style fan base. But they didn't even bother bringing in Masquerita Dorada. So, I mean, 
it just makes no sense and it literally physically angers me, which is why I posted my new card on Twitter, erasing guys who don't have to be on the show in the first place. And I don't know, stuff like that. Just I don't know if we're going to see the crash for very long in 2019. Maybe that's another 2018 theme as we get back to the point we were doing like a half hour ago before we forgot about it, is that, um, that the booking of these promotions is still not so great, that there's... There were there were some great matches, but the, it was rare where there was a lot of show the show continuity or building up feuds or programs after the shows. Like the crash, because the crash does it in the most high profile way. You could see that their show the show booking just went off the rails this year, where they kind of had ideas of rivals they wanted to do, but they also had the the stuff where they need a match and they knew they needed a match, but they didn't decide, they decided not to bother to build it up at all. Garza Jr. versus Bestia. Yeah, that's going to be, that's like, it was a good match when they had it, but it was symbolic of what the, the issues of, or in Mexico, where the problem is, is um, making that next level of stars on the Indies. Is, you can't really do it just with matches if you're not going to invest with them stories and building so that w- that one big match means something more than all the others. I think the rare exception is a Turno versus a Ramos, but even then, that was something that just kind of seemed to like organically happen over a few different promotions, and it was never like someone was building this match to this point. There was, and it was, I think. Maybe Flystar versus Toxin would be the the one that did the best. That's that was a good one, yeah. Yeah, that's made a big deal, but um, and it drew not, well. It drew well, but there, but no one's really following up on that. As kind of this is the model, we're getting a lot of cards where we have the same twelve people cycled around to different matches, but we're not really going in any direction. I think that's probably something that to for the indie wrestling to take the next step. Or to even just draw consistently in small buildings like Coacal and Arena San Juan, they're going to need to um, make more of a serialized storytelling than they're doing right now. Yeah, and to close it out, I think my one thing that I definitely never want to see again or want to see go away in 2019 is people promoting shows as Lucha Inedita or <laughs> or a Lucha de Sueño, where it's like a dream match. But it's really just like local Max versus Ricky Marvin or something like that. It's like no, that's nobody's dream match. That's nobody match anybody's asking for. And there's a reason that you're the first person booking a match like that. It's because nobody would literally want to ever see it. So please stop doing that. Yeah, I think we need to have. Hopefully, there's less, less people trying to do what they think PWG does, and more people trying to do what PWG actually did with that bowl of tournament, where you could tell they had a destination at the end. And they were setting it up through all the matches during the tournament. Um, I, I hope people get the general idea of what what works in wrestling, and not just like the matches. But I don't know if that's actually going to happen. All right, so we will reconvene at a future either after Fantastic Mania or after my Mexico trip. That sounds good. Thanks everyone for listening. Hopefully, I put this back show. I put the show back together so it makes more sense than the sentence I just finished. Um, we will. I will be back in a while.